This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Today rolling on. Happy Friday. Friday, my dudes. Happy Friday. Super Bowl Friday. The NFL season comes to an end on Sunday. Chiefs, Eagles, number one seed in the NFC, number one seed in the AFC. The beginning of an Eagles championship window. It just feels right. Of the Chiefs playoff window. I'm as excited for this Super Bowl as I've been in years. I think it's got the potential to be an outstanding game on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. We did our uh, Eagles preview a little bit earlier on in the week. And now uh, to take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome in Sterling Holmes. He's the host of the Home Stretch and the Arrowhead Addict podcast. Uh, Sterling, thanks so much for doing this today, man. How are you? Hey, doing well, man. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. No, really appreciate the time. Uh, I imagine the excitement levels uh, almost reached a, a peak. We're almost at game time. We'll have to wait a couple more days, but uh, I imagine everybody around yourself is getting excited for the game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been way too long. When you're hearing these hot take pundits throw these things out there on Tuesday and Wednesday, you're just sitting here going, come on. <laughs> it's inching so it's just inching so slow to the game, but we're almost there. We're getting closer. It's Friday, two more days, then Sunday. Uh, I could not be more ready. Uh, talk to me about this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. We've, we've been here before, but getting here this year for KC was different, especially when you trade a guy like Tyreek Hill away. Uh, but it doesn't seem like this group has missed a beat. That's a pretty remarkable thing to say about this group, eh? Yeah, I, I honestly thought this was going to be a retooling year, if you will. I was trying to take all my fandom out of this, try to be as uh, transparent as possibly I can be. I had the Chiefs winning 11 games this year, making it but losing to the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Well, they proved me wrong, made me look like a fool. They are the one seed in the AFC. They look like the best team in the AFC and the NFL in general. Mahomes, without Tyreek Hill, has been as explosive as Ether. He just, he just makes other guys step up. Andy Reid, by the way, has done a phenomenal job all season long, scheming guys open. They get the best from everyone. Uh, their defense is gelling right now at the right time. Steve Spagnolo has been the ire in the fans of, of Kansas City for some time. Not all the time, but some time. <laughs> but he always seems to come up with, with a great game plan in big games. And I expect nothing, nothing different here. How much of it in your mind is Patrick Mahomes just being this generational talent and Andy Reid being the right guy to sort of handle that situation and to, to fit all these new pieces in on offense? I think that's fair. I think Patrick Mahomes is clear-cut the best quarterback in the NFL, the best mm. player in the NFL. He elevates everyone else. Andy Reid is such a offensive-minded head coach. He allows their team to do what they do best. He finds some guy's skills and then elevates that skills. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously has been a, uh, a massive help. Uh, but I would also say the offensive line. 
okay. has been much improved. Ever since the Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers, Brett Veach, the GM of Kansas City, realized an issue. How are they going to fix it? It was the offensive line. Only one guy on the offensive line is still here, at least starting. That is right tackle Andrew Wiley. And uh, I think everyone would agree he's probably the weakest link on the offensive line. But every uh, you know, left tackle to right guards all replenished, replaced, and they are they're really good. How much uh, of a worry is Patrick's ankle heading into Sunday? Are we one of those spots where, hey, it's been two weeks, he's going to be as good as possible heading into the game? Uh, everyone's banged up at this point in the season. He's not going to be 100%, but he will be good enough to get it done. He obviously saved one last run. He saved it for the last play of the game <laughs> against the Cincinnati Bengals, but he had two you know, two weeks to, to get right. Yeah. Again, it's not going to be 100%. I, I expect to see him be in the pocket more often than not, maybe fewer scrambles. But he's so good at extending plays and getting the ball out quick. Maybe in the second half we'll see him take off a time or two more. But I'm not super worried about that ankle. Frankly, if I was an Eagles guy, I'd be much more concerned about Jalen Hurts and his shoulder than I would be Mahomes and his ankle. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm curious from your point of view, as we talked about losing Tyreek Hill and, and all these new pieces that have come in, whether it's Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, Sky Moore, the young, talented rookie out there. Uh, Kadarius Tony comes in late season from the New York Giants. Has there been a guy that's really stood out to you that's that's taken over and been that that guy for the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver core that's that's you know kind of brought it all together for you? It's been a little bit of a game by game basis. I would say Juju Smith-Schuster has been the most consistent guy. Okay, uh, he is incredible beating zone. Um, the Eagles love to run a lot of zone defense, and Judas and the shooter should thrive there. He also has a nice connection on the back shoulder throw with Patrick Mahomes. That's nice to see. MVS is very inconsistent, which, again, uh, if you expected anything different, I always say to Chiefs fans, that's on you. MVS is what he's been <laughs> his entire career. But guess what? That also means he can have a big game. And what happened in the playoffs against the Bengals, he had a big game. He is this year's iteration of former wide receiver Sammy Watkins. Not the most consistent guy, but if you need a guy to pop off once or twice in a season in a big game, it might be that dude. So MVS has been great. And then Kadarius Toney, uh, he's been injured, but when healthy, man, when he's on the field, he is just a game changer. I like to call him Diet Debo Samuel. <laughs> a lot smaller, but a lot of the same qualities. Uh, I don't know if there's a question in this, but how much do you appreciate seeing a guy like Travis Kelsey day in, day out? Mm, man, it's just unbelievable. Uh, for the past, I don't know, two, three years, it's one of those situations where you keep saying, well, eventually he's going to decline. Eventually we're going to see some sort of drop-off. We've not seen it. He's been as good as ever. It's crazy to think that he is the same age as Rob Gronkowski, but Travis Kelsey feels like he's just now coming into his prime. Year by year, he's getting even better uh, in pass-blocking situations and run-blocking situations. I mean, this is the best we've ever seen Travis Kelsey look. It's incredible. Yeah, he just he seems to be that guy that no one has an answer for. And I'm really with you. The last couple of years, I the guy has always been good, but he seems to have taken it to another level. He was so fired up you know, after that win against the Bengals. You've got to love it in the storyline. I don't know how you don't like the guy. I said this earlier in the week. You know, the podcast that he does with his brother is already a lot of fun, showing a ton of personality and being open to the – you know, to the public that they are. They just seem like a, a good group of guys, and it's kind of cool that they'll be matched up brother versus brother for the first time in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it's an unbelievable storyline. The podcast is just so much fun to watch. The, the mom 
the dad. They're so supportive. And that's what's just so fun is these two teams don't have this sort of anger towards each other like we saw with the, the Bills and the Bengals or mm-hmm. the, the Bengals and the Chiefs where there's that sort of trash talk going around. This feels very respectful, very business-like. You see it just permeating, especially in my opinion, to the Chiefs locker room. It's just this cool, calm collectiveness. They know it's at stake. They understand that they've been here before. They've won one. They've lost one. You know, Mahomes understands what's at stake for his legacy. He, he won the MVP this year. He won that last night, right? No one's won MVP and a Super Bowl in the same year since 1999. That was Kurt Warner. He's trying to, to, to break that streak. It, it's just a great matchup between two teams who, in my opinion, are the two best teams left, two best teams overall the entire season in the NFL. How much of a, a storyline has it been in the last couple of weeks, Andy Reid going up against this former team? It's been a storyline, but maybe not as big of a one as I would have thought. It feels okay. like a lot of the storyline is more on Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, the offense and defensive lines for both teams. We've obviously talked a good amount about Andy Reid and his return to, to the Eagles. But I do think it's something to note that the Eagles basically told him to, to kick rocks, pound sand. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they told him to, to leave after a lot of success, but never winning the big game. And Andy Reid, what happened? As we all knew, he'd be a hot commodity. The Chiefs were very lucky. They were able to, to bring him in, allow him to install basically whatever he wanted to do, to, to, to kick out, which, by the way, Nick Sirianni was actually uh, the wide receiving coach in 2012 when Andy Reid came in fired Nick Sirianni and now Nick Sirianni obviously head coach of the Eagles I think that's a little storyline in its own right but but yeah Andy Reid I mean it's just it's incredible what he's done and I do think there's a little bit of he wants to have a little payback over the Eagles now I'd be curious for your view as somebody that watches this team on a consistent basis but when I see Andy Reid with the Chiefs the last couple of years specifically Sterling I see a guy that really looks like he's got a lot of confidence in himself as a coach now, and that sort of permeates through his team. And now, obviously, success will do that, you know, going to AFC championships and Super Bowls on a consistent basis like the Chiefs have done would make any coach confident. But he just seems like a guy that's got such a good feel for his room and for what he's doing as a coach right now. And I I can't help but think that that's led to a lot of success for this team the last few years. Well, he's always been known as a player's coach, and he's not afraid to do it his way for the right or the wrong reasons. Um, I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans, myself included, last year in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Bengals, they had a large lead, and they refused to run the ball. They, they just, just gave up on the run game, but guess what? That's what Andy Reid does. You will live and die by Andy and his play calls, and for the most part, it's going to work. So it's tough to really fault the guy when you have the number one offense in the NFL, you have the number one quarterback in the NFL, the number one passing offense. He does it his way, but the players all buy in. He allows them to have some fun. He allows them to show their personality. Um, Every player we've ever heard from, uh, I've never heard a bad thing outside of, I think, LaShawn McCoy maybe, just Shady McCoy because he was very salty about how things ended in Kansas City. You just don't hear bad things about Andy Reid or even, for the most part, the Chiefs organization. Uh, defensively, I'm curious uh, on this one too. Obviously, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be a big threat. We've talked and you know heard lots about this Philly offense. they got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, you know, similar uh, weapons there in, in Philly they have in KC, but – for me, I'm looking at this one, Sterling, and I'm saying, man, 
Chris Jones could have a massive impact on this game. He's already, I think, one of, if not the best defensive tackles in the league. But if he's able to to do what he so often does and is disruptive in the middle of that, you know, case or excuse me, Philadelphia offensive line, it's probably going to bode pretty well for the Chiefs on Sunday. Yeah, the, the Chiefs need Chris Jones. You know, Frank Clark has been so good in the playoffs. Rookie George Karloftis, they really need to step up. I am a massive fan of the Eagles' offensive line. They're very, very talented. They are the best run-blocking offensive line in the NFL. But you can get to Jalen Hurts. Some of that is on Hurts. He likes to hold onto the ball longer than some other quarterbacks in the NFL. A few numbers right here. Jalen Hurts was sacked 38 times on 460 dropbacks. Mahomes sacked only 26 times on 648 dropbacks. That tells me you can get to Jalen Hurts. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, they need to get to Jalen Hurts. Uh, talk to me about some of the, the young guys on this KC defense. Uh, Trent McDuffie was obviously a high pick for this team. He's come in, but you know it's a young secondary for this team. I'm not sure enough people realize you know some of the guys 24, 25 back there that have had uh, a really big impact on the Chiefs' defensive side of things. Yeah, if you're looking just in the secondary, they are having three rookie corners get a ton of snaps. Obviously, Jarius Sneed, not a rookie, but he went out against the Bengals with a concussion. He will be back against the Eagles. He was a limited participant yesterday in practice with a knee injury. But rookies Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, then first-round corner Trent McDuffie, they've all done a great job, and they're they're growing and, and molding into the type of corner Steve Spagnuolo likes. Very physical, not necessarily ball hawks, but they're very good tacklers and very physical. They got to get up at the line of scrimmage. They are the Chiefs, the number one pass team at the line of scrimmage as far as getting getting into wide receivers. It's what they do best. So you'll see a lot of presses on A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith at line of scrimmage. But even in, 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 the, set, in the safety positions, Juan Thornhill, um, you know, he was drafted by Kansas City. He's had a nice year, as especially as the season's gone on. Justin Reed, first year in Kansas City after a tenure with the Houston Texans. He's really had a nice year as well. I mean, frankly, the Chiefs secondary and the youth has been very impressive, and they're, they're gelling at the right time. Uh, we're chatting with Sterling Holmes, uh, host of the Home Stretch and uh, the Arrowhead Attic podcast, getting you set for, uh, for all things Kansas City Chiefs ahead of the Super Bowl matchup against the Eagles on Sunday. Just a couple more for you, Sterling, before we let you go. Uh, i got to ask you about the experience factor heading into this one on Sunday and the fact that the Chiefs have been in this spot before. It was just 2017 when the Eagles came out and won a Super Bowl, but that was with a different head coach, a different quarterback. They have a couple pieces still from that year, but for the majority of the Eagles, it's going to be a first time in a Super Bowl. That's not the case for a lot of guys on the Chiefs side of things. Yeah, and actually, fun fact for you guys, and no one probably cares, but I actually lived in Philly when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. First year, I moved back home to Kansas City. What happened? Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying I'm a good luck charm or anything, but, you know, just throwing that out there. Um, No, I think there is something to that, especially with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid's the more, um, the guy I would look at just on the coaching staff because Nick Sirianni obviously has not been there. I, I think Jalen Hurts has played in a lot of big games in college, so I don't know if that, uh, that factor is going to be, be massive. Obviously, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, um, Jason Kelsey. I would assume Lane Johnson was there as well. So there's still a few guys in the Eagles who are around. The Chiefs do have a good chunk of guys, Chris Jones, but I do think that, that veteran presence or the fact that they've been in a Super Bowl before, 
matters more for the coaching staff than anywhere else. If the Chiefs walked out of this with another Super Bowl title on Sunday, what went well for them, Sterling? Oh, man, good question. Uh, they kept Mahomes upright. I think that'd be the main thing. They kept Mahomes upright, and uh, they got to Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think that the Chiefs' defense, the game plan is going to be let Jalen Hurts throw. Again, I just don't think his shoulder is completely healthy, and I mm-hmm. think that needs to be talked about a little more. Um, obviously missing A.J. Brown on a wide-open deep ball, but the Eagles have been so talented. I'm not taking anything away from them. Yep. They, they've been leading in games so much. They haven't needed him to throw the ball. I think they will need Jalen Hurts to throw the ball against Kansas City. Obviously, his offense for, for the Chiefs is unlike anything the Eagles have faced all season long. Um, but I think if things go right, Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts gets sacked and Mahomes stays upright. That's going to be the difference. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me, uh, give me a number for Sunday's final score. I have Chiefs winning this one at 31-30, at 30, a very close game. Mm. I respect the Eagles. I think they're an incredibly talented team. But sometimes it's as simple as the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. The other team doesn't, and that's what's going to be the difference. Sterling, thanks so much for the time today, man. I really do appreciate it. I love the playoff stash, by the way. Uh, good luck to the Chiefs on Sunday. Enjoy the game. Thanks again for joining us today. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Sterling Holmes joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter at HomestretchKC. He's the host of the Homestretch and uh, part of the Arrowhead Addict podcast. All things Kansas City Chiefs as they look for another Super Bowl title Sunday when they take on Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Looking forward to that matchup. And hey, if Sterling's prediction comes right and it's 31-30 for a final score, on Sunday, I think all of us are going to walk away pretty damn happy with what we saw on the field on Sunday. Really looking forward to that one. Again, he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline talking all things Kansas City Chiefs. And I know Cam, uh, one of my outstanding producers, he's just looking forward to uh, Rihanna, I believe. That's what you said you're most looking forward to? Yeah, that's my number one uh, watch party list. Yeah, you're putting out lots of lots of bets for what first song would be what outfit Rihanna was going to wear. I thought Taylor was going to do that, but it was actually Cam. Funny how that works. I've got all my money on Umbrella for number one. There's no way you can start with Umbrella. There's how do you no not start way. with Umbrella? No. What else do you start with? It's too much of a banger. You have to let it breathe. Taylor, you can't start with Umbrella, right? I mean... Stop you it. Know, no, like, you can't. You can't I go feel with like, the... I feel like it's no. a closing kind of song. You can't start with that. That goes too hard too fast. You it's got to be a closing song, you know, you just because it's like one of the time. most. You have to get through the best of the best. But like it's like hour. her most. They did like, like 20 songs last year. And Rihanna's be been doing this for how long? That's all I'm saying. There's no, I don't think you can start with Umbrella. That's just a bold call. It has to be like a closing song. I would think so, but we'll see. I said what I said. Uh, what color is the Gatorade? Quickly. Blue. Taylor? Um, I'm going to go with yellow. Going clear. Gross. Yellow Gatorade would be the worst. It is the worst, but athletes seem to love it. Like, that's the only one they drink. Fair enough. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. Eagles and Chiefs, 4.30-ish kickoff scheduled for Sunday. You know that'll be around. They've got anthems and pledges of allegiance and different members of spawn. It just it takes forever, let's be honest. I love the Super Bowl. It's going to take you four hours. Uh, probably kick off around five, but should uh, should be a great game. Looking forward to it. Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, one more piece of business to get to before we're out of here on this Friday. 
Uh, early game for the Calgary Flames tomorrow. They're taking on the Buffalo Sabres. So we're going to do uh, a little Friday edition of a look at the opposition. We'll get a uh, view of all things Buffalo Sabres. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. One more segment to go on the show this afternoon. Coming off of a 2-1 loss to the Detroit Red Wings last night, a practice day for the Calgary Flames in Buffalo. No Rasmus Anderson in practice. They're getting set for a early morning showdown, early morning here. It's 12.30 in Buffalo, but it's 10.30 here tomorrow morning. Game three of the road trip post-All-Star break. Looking for their first win against an upstart Sabres team that's looking to stun more than a few people and perhaps take a big step forward on the rebuild and maybe even make the postseason. Uh, It's time for a look at the opposition, the Flames' next opponent, the Buffalo Sabres. And to do that, we go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon and welcome in the Buffalo Sabres correspondent for NHL.com. Heather Engel joins us on this Friday afternoon. Heather, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Really looking forward to this matchup tomorrow between the Flames and the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, I'm not sure how many people would have had Buffalo in and around uh, a playoff battle. I know they've got a couple teams if they want to you got to surpass if they want to get into that playoff picture, but it's been a pretty positive 50-game sample size so far for the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, aside from a stretch in early November where they lost eight straight in regulation, uh, it's been their record has been pretty impressive. And that eight stre- that eight-game stretch, they were missing their top three of their top six defensemen. So I put it, you know, on any team you're losing your top, half your half your defense it's going to make a difference especially when you're losing the top half and uh, they've just they've just progressed there like even from a month ago they're getting better and better and better as each month goes by I have to start with you talking about uh you know really the guy that's been the the talk of the town in Buffalo and that's Tage Thompson he's having such an incredible season uh he's had off the chart stats he looks like he's really coming to his own and he's really you know, looks like he's given Kevin Adams something to really, you know, smile about after giving him that long-term extension and people wondering, hey, does this this guy have a big enough sample size to give him that kind of contract extension? He's certainly proven Kevin Adams right this season. Yeah, absolutely. And if you almost forget that the extension only starts next season, this year he's still on his previous contract. He's yeah. only making 1.4 this year. But yeah, it's you saw his skill in past years. You saw his skill. You saw it in practice, but it never totally translated. I mean, didn't help under the Ralph Kruger years. A lot of players just didn't fit that kind of, you know, it was just a mismatch mm-hmm. in his system. Uh, but Don Granato has, you know, brings out the best in these guys. And it's, he's such a smart hockey guy that he knows. Like, he was the one who decided over the summer last, like, uh, not this past summer, the summer before, to move Tage Thompson to center, he knew he had the skill and and what he could do to succeed down the middle. And it's just it's from that point on, he Thompson has blossomed into the superstar that he's become. I know Kevin Adams wasn't the GM at the time, but interesting now to look at the Buffalo Sabers and see two trades that sent away guys that meant so much to the organization, but the pieces back having such an impact. And the two that I bring up, obviously. You know, Tage Thompson is a member of the return in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. 
And now a guy like Alex Tuck is having a great year. Peyton Krebs is part of that deal. There's still more to come in the return uh, for Jack Eichel in the trade that happened with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's worked out pretty well for the Buffalo Sabres having to say goodbye to the two guys that meant a lot to the franchise, but they're actually seeing some pretty good results on the other side, Heather. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, when they were looking for you know that trade with Vegas, they were looking for someone like Alex Tuck with these skills, you know, just his beyond his skill, you know, you have his skill set and he was in, you know, a lesser role in Vegas. So an opportunity to grow here and someone who, I mean, he's from here and he grew up with from, I mean, he's from Syracuse, so it's two hours east of Buffalo, but he just, he's a player that wants to be in Buffalo. And that's what Kevin Adams is trying to build players who want to be in Buffalo, who want to play here, who want to grow here, who want to continue here. And that's, uh, and, and Peyton Krebs, he doesn't get as much talked about because of his role is a little bit lower, but he's he's had himself a, a great, uh, ever since he moved in between uh, Kyle Postman and Zemi Skirgensen, his goal game has taken off, it's, and he's just playing a more direct game, and then he's finding his, Don Granada said his skill will start, I mean, we've seen some of his skill, but it'll start to come out even more now that he's gotten more used to the NHL game. We've seen Kevin Adams, as we talked about in this conversation, take a chance on some younger guys and, you know, put some faith in them with longer term contracts. Matias Samuelson. We, we talked of course about Tage Thompson and the extension that he's set to kick in next year. Uh, he looks like he's doing it again with Dylan cousins. Uh, that's the most recent signing a seven year deal, $7.1 million against the cap starting next season. What has Dylan shown in his game, Heather, that would have led Kevin to have that sort of faith in him? Well, we saw it last year. He Last year in his second season, he started to take another step. Towards the end of the season, he wasn't getting, he wasn't getting the goals, but the scoring chances were there. And he's started to really figure out the NHL. His first season was that, you know, the awkward, shortened COVID season. So it wasn't... Really, he didn't get to see everybody. He only saw, you know, a handful of teams. Last year, he learned a lot. And now he's been, you know, fully in the middle. And he's, and he can learn. He learned a lot also from Tage Thompson, who can, you know, big guy who can, uh, who can skate and who can move. But he's, he's just, he's got such a very well-rounded game. And he only, he just turned 22 yesterday. And he went to the world championships last summer. And they were, and he went there because he wanted to show that he can score goals. And I think he led the tournament, if I remember something like that, he led the tournament goals or he was close to the top. And he's just, that's taken another step in the NHL goal-wise. I think he's on pace for almost close to 30 goals. And he's just, and he hasn't even begun to learn how to use his size as much to hold on to the puck. And once he gets better at that, once he gets some, you know, NHL size to his to his body, mm-hmm. he'll be even better. Uh, talk to me about the power play. Sabres coming into uh, tomorrow's game against the Flames with the number four power play in all of the NHL. What's made that group so successful for Don Granato? It's, I mean, the first unit you have Tage Thompson blasting one-timers from the left circle. Uh, you've got Dahlien on the point. And sometimes he's had Victor Olofsson on the right side. Recently, he switched it to Dylan Cousins and then switched it back to Olofsson. So at least when when it's when it was Olofsson and Thompson, you got to figure out which guy. You never know which guy's going to shoot because both of them can rip it. And 
good luck to any <laughs> NHL goalie who can stop either of those. And uh, but even when sometimes Victor was on the second unit, um, it's still they've there's got so much young talent on that second unit. You've got power, you know, holding the blue line there, and he won't even necessarily stay at the blue line. He might be coming circling right to the front of the net. He won't be. Uh, he's been doing that a lot. And then you've got the youngsters and J and J J J Paterka and Jack Quinn. It's just there's so much talent on both units. And you've got two, you know, top-level defensemen manning the points on those two that you just you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, I wanted to uh, to ask you what year one of a full NHL season has started to look like for Owen Power. You mentioned him there as part of the, the power play success. He got a taste of the NHL last season in an eight-game sample size, but uh, this is year one for him full-time as an NHLer. What does it look like for the former first overall pick? It's been it's been really impressive for a kid who just turned 20 in November for what he's been able to do. It's the goals only started to come you know late last month, but during that that uh, eight game stretch where they lost eight straight, he was being asked to play like 28, 29 minutes, and you wouldn't know that he. And at that time, he wasn't tw- he was still just 19, and you would look think he was like been in the league for a couple of years. He's just He's so calm and he just so smooth and just there's like, I don't even know the words to describe him. He's just, he's just really good at what he does and just, he's only going to get better. It's really, it's really remarkable. Even in the eight game stretch that he had, the eight games he played at the end of last season, like you wouldn't have known that this was a kid just coming out of college and playing his first NHL game because he just, he was a seamless fit into the NHL. And he's part of a, a really interesting growing group on the back end there. Obviously, he's a big part of it, but you talk about Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Yogi Haru's there, Matthias Samuelson. They've really started to build, and you can see the future of the Buffalo Blue Line kind of blossoming this season, hey? Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to think of that group. The the old man of that group is Henry Yogi Haru at 23. <laughs> and it just, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's really really remarkable to see what they've become and what they're building there. And even, I mean, the other two that they have that are playing, I mean, they have um, Lubushkin's the old, truly the old man of the six defense of the six or seven defensemen at 28. Mm-hmm. But like, they also have Jacob Bryson, who is um, 25 and Kale Clegg, I think who's turning 25. So even the depth, you know the bottom half of the defense is also mostly still pretty young, but yeah, they've they've got a nice core on their defense that's you know just starting to scratch the surface. Uh, we're doing a look at the opposition today here on Sportsnet today with Heather Angle, Buffalo Sabres correspondent for NHL.com. Flames and Sabres go uh, Saturday morning here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Just a couple more for you, Heather, before we let you go. I'm curious for your take on the goaltending situation. It's one of the more interesting ones around the NHL when you look at the mix of of Craig Anderson, Eric Comrie, and now uh, the youngster of the group, uh, Uko Pekalukin in there. How do you see this whole thing going down and sort of how has the season progressed with all three of these goalies being in the mix? It's, uh, well, I mean, it was, in a way, probably almost, I mean, you never want anyone to get hurt, but Eric Comrie getting injured and for as long as he did, allowed them the opportunity to really see what Lukanen could do at this level. We've seen him in the past, and he's looked good. But it, uh, but he's always in the past. He's had some injury issues, 
And that's why they had sent him down to the AHL. They really just wanted him to get reps and to play and to really get, you know, have a full good season, healthy season. And then Comrie got hurt in November and was out for about five or six weeks. And it was about halfway through that Lukanen really started to take off to the extent that, like, they started making paper moves just so they could keep him on the roster because they realized there's no way you can send him down. He was playing well. The team was playing well in front of him. And they, I mean, they needed to see what they have because Mm -hmm. they needed to know for next year, if they, you know, needed to go find, I mean, they've come under contract for next year, but they just, you still, you need to know what you have. And he's been really good to the extent that it was last month. Don Granado said, basically, if there's, if three of them are healthy, he was leaning to, you know, his inclination was to go with Lukanen as uh, as the starter. And it, based on practice, I mean, it's hard to tell off a practice before a matinee game, but it looked like Lukanen might be the starter tomorrow. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, they're going Lukanen, and I think Comrie will be, and Comrie will back up more often than not. And uh, and Craig Anderson will just, you know, be the player coach role and to guide it, you know, to guide those two guys and even the other players. Uh, last one here. Talk to me about what the next couple of weeks look like for this group. Uh, as I mentioned, they're on the precipice of a playoff spot. There's a couple teams ahead of them, but if you look at the next available wildcard spot, Buffalo finds themselves just three points back of Pittsburgh with the same number of games played, and they've got games in hand on New York and Florida who are ahead of them in the standings right now. Do you see Kevin Adams being aggressive at this sort of trade deadline to give himself uh, some options and to give him groups some help, or is it just sort of a, hey, we're playing with house money, we're further ahead than people thought we would be, we'll see what comes up sort of approach to trade deadline? Yeah, he he's not good. Like, if anything, I, he'll maybe look to add some, you know, maybe forward depth or defense depth on defense, just, you know, because they're kids in in the AHL, they don't want to... You know, they're not necessarily, I mean, NHL defense depth, they have some guys with NHL experience that they could call up, mm-hmm. but uh, forwards, not as, they aren't as ready. But he wants to let, he said yesterday, he doesn't want, you can't fast forward this process and they want to make it a, sustain, they want sustainable success for years to come. And one way to do that is have these guys who don't, you know, most, you know, aside from like maybe, a handful of them, if that, if even that many, don't have as the experience of playing in these meaningful games at this point in the season. So they want all, you know, they want them to learn to, to play these games and what, how to deal with these games and when the games get tighter, when the games get more physical, and how you get through when teams are just not giving you anything. They want them to experience that, and he may get, like I said, he might get them some help, uh, some depth help, but. Nothing. I don't see anything, uh, any type of blockbuster move. Uh, Heather, thanks so much for the time today. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Enjoy it. We'll uh, chat with you again. Enjoy the rest of the season, hey? Thanks, you too. Thanks. Heather Angle joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. She's the Buffalo Sabres correspondent for NHL.com. You can find her on Twitter. Just switch her first and last name at Angle. Heather, uh, for all things Buffalo, and really exciting group. Tons of young talent. Uh, Reminder, it's an early start tomorrow. 12.30 12.30 Eastern start means 10.30 start here in Calgary. That's uh, 9.30 Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're going to finish off this Friday uh, with a little bit of fun with the producers. 
Um, we were talking a bit last segment after we talked about the Kansas City Chiefs about some fun uh, prop bets ahead of the Super Bowl on Sunday. So we'll give you some of our favorites here uh, if you want to sprinkle or if you just want to have some fun uh, with whoever you're watching the game with on Sunday. We'll do that. Uh, Cam, Taylor, John, you ready to go for this? Ready. Uh, sure. Okay. You're gonna be. We're gonna start with this one because this is the uh, biggest point of contention that we had. Uh, Cam is all in on Rihanna at the halftime show. He doesn't really care about the football game at all. He literally has told me that 15, 20 times. He's like, I don't even know who's playing. He's like, it's just it's a Rihanna concert and there's gonna be a football game. He said that. That's weird. Um, but he's also pretty big that Rihanna's first song is gonna be Umbrella. Now, I found a couple odds. The best. Odds for a starting song, Diamonds. That's fair. Umbrella is, how many songs are ahead of Umbrella? One, two, three, four, five, it's seventh. It's a great odds, really. Seventh best odds. No, but here's here's the thing. You have that as the starter. Umbrella is the favorite for Rihanna's final song. Ooh. I think that would be the way to end it, Taylor. That would be the way to go out. It's a, it's the most iconic Rihanna song, so she has to end with it. I think so. Now, she's got some good ones. Disturbia, obviously, is going to be in there. Run This Town, Don't Stop the Music. So there's a couple of good ones, but right now, Diamonds is your favorite for her to open with. Umbrella is the favorite for her to close with. Uh, there's also over or under nine and a half songs that'll be played during the halftime show. Taylor, would there be more than nine songs or less than nine songs? Ooh, that's hard because it kind of depends on the year. Well, yeah, and it's like, you know, some years, like, they, they medley them together, you know what I mean? And it kind of progresses into, like, 30-second snippets of a bunch of different songs, or sometimes they do longer-form ones. Are we counting mashups or are we counting, like, each full song? Mashups would count. Hmm. I'm going to have to go on the over nine. Uh, last year went uh, with Dre, Eminem, and all of them. Uh, they fit in 10 songs last year. Lady Gaga, seven songs in 2017. Cam, which one are you going over or under nine songs? Got to go over. She's got the hits. It's going to be hit after hit after hit. I'm going over. Uh, what color will Rihanna's first outfit be? Black is the favorite by a mile. Uh, at uh, plus 125. Gold is next at plus 500. Orange and blue at like 1200, 1800. Uh, so if you want to bet on, you can also bet on the color of her hair. Cam, I know you're excited for that one. That's just the one I'm most excited about. And uh, I love this one. This is, could be awesome because it could, the collabs at Super Bowl are always important. Cam was singing this in the break. Jay Z is your favorite to potentially make a guest appearance during the halftime show. It just makes sense. Taylor's favorite, Drake, is also a positive, uh, could be there. When have I ever said I like Drake? <laughs> Calvin Harris, DJ Khaled. Uh, you can go all the way up to, uh, I don't know why they would let Kanye West in the building, but apparently he's on the list as uh, as a potential for that one. So uh, There's also a bunch of really weird ones if you're like a Rihanna super fan these are some here uh there is Rihanna to propose marriage to ASAP Rocky uh Rihanna announces she's pregnant Rihanna announces her son's name and for at plus 1600 you can bet 
on Rihanna to trip and fall over. You can bet on Rihanna to fall on her face. There's no way that's an actual bet. That's an actual bet. I'm going to tell you, uh, none of these are happening. (laughs) You never know. You never, ever know. Uh, And now some of the the fun football-y ones for this one. Uh, Heads or tails for the opening coin toss. Cam. Heads. Taylor. Mm, I got to go heads, too. Tails never fails. That's a stupid answer by both of you. Um... Color of Gatorade, we went with. Orange is the favorite. Taylor with yellow green, which is the worst Gatorade by a mile. I'm is, not saying it's good. No, it's I'm just, just saying it shouldn't like. even it shouldn't even be there. It's a terrible Gatorade flavor. F tier Gatorade. It's gross. It's terrible. Blue should be the favorite because blue should be in every Gatorade bucket, but it is a middle of the road. I don't even know if they like this. Be honest, I don't know if they drink Gatorade anymore. They probably have like special athlete drink chemically altered water yeah, like, uh like, non-alcoholic jungle juice like gatorades like a 1990s thing now but orange is your favorite for gatorade color uh followed by yellow slash green clear is there and then you've got blue red purple and plus 1600 for no gatorade port that's no fun uh you definitely want gatorade to be poured uh on somebody and then uh, this one for all the lovers out there as Valentine's Day is coming up. Will a player propose after the game? Ooh, that's close. Cam, you're the most relationship forward one in this room, which isn't saying much, but will a player propose after the game with Valentine's Day on the horizon? I don't think it happens. That's my hot take. I don't think it happens. I think they save it for the special day. Taylor is the only female. <laughs> was that a... You can't that, do that. Was that too bold? <laughs> oh, uh, God. Will a player propose after the game? You know what? I really, really hope not. I, I can speak as a woman that no one likes these public proposals. As a woman? I thought you were a female. For both. Yes. Um, yes, either one. You know, I. this is just a message to all the guys out there. Don't propose in public or these big spectacles. We don't like them. They don't like it. Uh, you'll, be, you'll both be happy to know that uh, no is the favorite in that one. Uh, they don't think it's going to happen. So uh, fingers crossed that uh, Valentine's Day doesn't ruin any of it. Those are some of our favorite prop bets heading into Sunday's Super Bowl. Uh, it's going to be a great one. We're looking forward to it. Eagles and the Chiefs. But before we get there, we've got the Flames and the Sabres. Uh, you want to go back and get to some of our Flames content from the show. Hour one was loaded with it. Uh, we dove into the text line. We dove into it with Peter Labardius. That's all in the hour one podcast. It's up and available wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Haley Salvian is next. She's got Hockey Central 960. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, That's right around the corner. Happy Friday. We'll see you on a Monday. That's coming up on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.